Vivacine has called my next guest one of the best singers ever to come out of Canada. The National Post said, This Toronto soprano can sing a hundred-year-old German tune so lustily that you almost didn't need a translation to know that someone's about to get his throat cut. Or get laid, or both. My next guest is an award-winning classical singer who grew up in northern Ontario wanting to be a rock star or a nun. Please welcome to the show Patricia O'Callaghan. <laughs> Hello, nice to be here. Nice to, <laughs> nice to have you here. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about just from that intro. Yeah, yeah, you covered a lot of ground there. <laughs> yeah, but for I, mu I must say this. First of all, I know it's a little bit late. But congratulations on your recent Juno nomination. Thank you. And I'm so thrilled about it. And that was your first, yeah? It was my first. I have been on other CDs that have been nominated and won Junos, but this one was for me as a vocal thing, yeah. That is awesome. It was pretty thrilling, actually. I was excited after, you know, I've been almost two decades in the business now, and you just got to be patient, I tell yeah. you. Just got to keep doing what you're doing. But you've won awards and stuff like that, doing a lot of different things. But congratulations. Thank you. For that. And you got to perform. I got to perform. How was that? It was actually really nerve-wracking because I, I know you say I'm a classical soprano, but, but I actually, I'm a trained soprano. I trained for many, many years. And the classical world is part of me, but I have been out of it for many years. Mm. I sort of do this more crossovery, mixing genre, cabaret sort of repertoire. And yeah. so to be considered, you know, it was a best classical album and I was part of the classical showcase. And I was last to perform, so I waited for two hours while all of these real, you know, just real core classical virtuosic players played. Mm. And I'm like, oh God. This isn't my world. Huh? So <laughs> I had think to I'm just a pretender. Or something. I, yeah, well, I actually felt that way a little. I mean, in the end, I was okay, but I was nervous. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> wow. Um, you grew up in Northern Ontario. I did. Not not a place that one would think. Oh yeah, this is where no. these classical type of singers yeah. come from. Tell me, tell me about that. Were your parents sure, in music? No. I, well, not really. No. I. I mean, and I. I moved from town to town. I lived in a, a lot of little towns. I was born in Dryden. I lived in Smooth Rock Falls, Sioux Lookout, Pine Falls, Iroquois Falls, Richelieu, Quebec. Yeah, so um, whenever we would move to a new town, I would ask if there was a singing teacher there. I obviously, okay. I had a love of it from a very young age. My mom entered me in a competition when I was five. I sang the song, I Had a Little Nut Tree, and I won. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I think maybe it gave me a taste for the stage. I'm not yeah. sure. But there were never any teachers, so I, I studied classical piano with, you know, whoever the local teacher was. And then when I was 16, I found a teacher in a nearby city, the city of Timmins, which was... The city of Timmins. The city. It was, it's a huge... <laughs> it was an hour away with literally nothing in between yeah. the town where I lived, Iroquois Falls. So I would go there and study, and I sang in a choir, and that exposed me to all this wonderful classical music that... Up until that point, as you said, I wanted to be a rock singer. I sang in heavy metal bands. I just, I composed songs at the piano by myself. I didn't really know anything about classical repertoire at that point. So what were you, you were doing covers in, in these bands? Covers and originals, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. I would do Van Halen and Ozzy Osbourne and Pat Benatar and all sorts of fun songs. Yeah. yeah that is so, uh, that's, okay, so <laughs> I, I could easily go into how the heck does it, does one get into <laughs> the music that you do now? Yeah. Um, but 
what what was it about you? I know your mom entered you in a contest when you were five, yeah. but was it just one of those things that parents do? Yeah, I think so. Or did so. you always know, or did you always feel that you wanted to be a singer? I like, did. I think yeah. I, I actually, you know, I, I loved music. I loved the stage. I liked acting. I wasn't clear about what I wanted to do exactly. I knew it was something like that. But then the older I got, it just became clear that I... I knew I wanted to be a singer. Yeah. And then when I discovered classical repertoire and got really into it, I became extremely passionate about it and there was no going back from wow. there. Yeah. Yeah. So rock star. Um, and then none. So those are two different. Fairly different. Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think every kid, you know, you listen to music and stuff and you, you wish you could play guitar, sure, or piano. Totally. Uh, being a nun, what, how, where did that come yeah. from? Sound of music, maybe was that? No, it wasn't. <laughs> but, but, um, I, I was raised Catholic. My dad is from Ireland. He mm -hmm. was, um, he came to Canada in his twenties. So you know, we had to go to church every every week, of course. Yeah. And, um, I I had issues with the church. I didn't love going to church. I would often, you know, sneak away and skip out and stuff like that. But I, I was also I loved the the mysterious nature of it and the contemplative nature. And I also loved the idea as an introverted person of being kind of a recluse. Just, you know, mm. being outside of the world in a safe place where you could contemplate the finer points of life or religion or meaning and dedicate your life to this. I thought, I thought that would be a really great thing to do. And then obviously there's another part of my personality that is more of a performer and that was the rock star part of yeah. me. And then and so when I started learning classical repertoire and realizing if you want to be a classical singer basically you have no life. You you know, you <laughs> have to protect your instrument so much. You can't go out at night, you can't talk loudly, you can't go to bars, you can't smoke, you can't drink much. Y you have to basically be a nun. <laughs> wow. So I thought, okay, if I'm an opera singer, I'm basically melding these two worlds together. So I get my music and I get my my hermetic personality yeah. taken care of. <laughs> I, I read somewhere that it was a, a was it a trip to Mexico? Yeah. That that the spark sort of came to well, you? Well, I was I was the right age. I was 17 and I went on an exchange and I lived in Mexico for a year and I lived with four different Mexican families and I went to high school there. So, you know, that was a very life-changing experience unto itself. Um, also, I mean, the Catholic culture in Mexico is awesome because it's kind of melded with the whole shamanic culture there. It's so colorful and lively mm. and, and musical. But that was just when I had started really getting into classical music and and I guess I, I literally had a, an epiphany or a moment where I went hey I can do both of these things that I want to do in this way wow I can become an opera singer <laughs> <laughs> was there um was was there a a piece of music or a singer that you were attracted to like I want to be like that yeah, well you know there really was actually okay um, maybe not too many listeners will know this woman's name. Her name is Teresa Stratus. She is a Greek Canadian. Okay. And she walked into the Conservatory of Music in Toronto at the age of, I think, 16. Mm -hmm. And she belted out, smoke gets in your eyes, but in an operatic voice. Okay. And they took her into the conservatory and she became a star. And she then moved to New York and had many, many starring roles um, 
on the stage, yeah. operatic roles. And then she also became, uh, there's this composer who I love called Kurt Weil, who you probably know, Mac the Knife, Three Penny Opera, things like that. Yeah, yeah. His music I love so much because it's somewhere between popular and classical. You yeah. need to have an edge to sing it. It's it's very accessible, but it's still um, got tons of depth to it. And so she became sort of a master of doing his music as well. His wife, Lotta Lenya, passed down his catalog to Teresa Stratus. Oh. So she was a big hero of mine when I was a young person. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, that's that's good. That's good. Uh, tell me about, you know, when you're, you're 17, you, you come back from Mexico, still living in Iroquois Falls, Iroquois Falls, yeah, yeah. uh, the big metropolis yeah. that, that it is. <laughs> Where do you learn how to, s what do you do? In terms of becoming a singer, yeah, you mean? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I mean, I just, I finished up high school once I was there and okay. continued my studies and did... Entered into the Timmins Music Festival, okay. <laughs> and then I just auditioned for universities. Okay, okay. Um, and I got into University of Toronto, mm -hmm. and so I, I moved to Toronto as soon as I could, and and studied here for four years. And then I went to the BAMP Center. Then I I went to Austria and Germany for a while, and then I came back. And came back, and there's your career. Well, wasn't that <laughs> simple? No, I waitressed no. for three years. Sure. <laughs> Like any artist, <laughs> exactly worth worth their salt. Absolutely. Tell me about coming to Toronto. Um, you're in the, you're in the big big city. Um, how did that impact mm. you? Yeah, it was. It really was a shock. I mean, it took me a really long time to feel like Toronto was home. At least ten years, definitely. Wow. Yeah, at least. I just I I think, you know, as a sensitive sensitive artistic type, maybe you you just. Uh, I found so much stimuli, just too much. It was overstimulating all the time. Yeah. I still find that, frankly. I think I'm just, you know, a small town girl at heart in that I need lots of space and lots of sky and lots of quiet around me. Sure. And and it's hard to get that here. My, but I do love it. I mean, this is truly my home at this point. But uh, it took me a lot of years to find my feet, for sure. And mm. it took me moving to Germany Oh. And and thinking I was going to make an operatic career there to go no no I I'm I like Canada and I want to even though it's going to be more challenging I want to make my career there yeah was it hard to to focus in Toronto yeah totally not, not because it's a totally. so one there's it's a big city there's a lot of distractions yes um yeah so tell me about it's that the distractions yeah yeah and I remember I saw a TVO show on hockey players once like star hockey players hmm. and it said you know all of these guys except two who were from Montreal but had special upbringings they basically grew up in tiny towns where they had one-on-one -on -one time with them and the ice sure. and these guys from Montreal had special situations where they had like their own lake or whatever and I feel the same way about a lot of a lot of classical musicians who I knew, who I know, grow, grew up in tiny little places because you need the one-on-one -on -one time with your instrument, and you're just not going to get it. It, it. I I do find Toronto so full of distractions, yeah. um, and it's it's a challenge for sure to f just put in your hours. Did with you find the music. yourself ever thinking, ah, forget about this classical music stuff? There's no. there's other things out there. Or well, whatever. I I mean I. 
I did. Ex I've explored other genres of music, most definitely, okay, sure, and yeah. I, I would say I'm not really. Uh, well, I don't know if I'm considered a classical singer anymore or not. I certainly can, and sure. I have that training, but, um, but no, I never considered doing anything else other than singing. Never. No. That's yeah. amazing. It is, and <laughs> considering it's not an easy career. Yeah. 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 Um, tell me about ba you. So you went to Banff after Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, like, is it easy to get there? Did you have to apply? I applied, yeah, that. yeah, and uh, I got a scholarship. Um, I think, you know, for young singers coming out of universities at the time, it was, they're changing the programs all the time there, but this particular one was all uh, 20th century classical music, and I got in, and it was a fantastic, life-changing experience. I mean, that place is amazing, and that's a place that has no distractions, that is, you know, your bed's made for you every day. Your meals are cooked for you every day. You do nothing. And, you know, there's beautiful, there's mountains, beautiful mountains and lakes everywhere yeah, and yeah. rivers. And you're just there to focus on your art. And you're surrounded by other artists of all disciplines that you can talk to at dinner or lunch. And it's a wonderful, creative, exciting place to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I went there. I didn't attend there. I went there for a concert a couple of years back. I just happened to be nice. just outside of Banff. And yeah. There was a concert happening at the center, and I went, and we're sitting there, and I go, we're in the middle of the mountains listening so to music. So magical. And that's the thing. Like, you're in the mountains. Every day you're rehearsing or, or performing, and you look out, and that's your view. It yeah. is truly spectacular. And the, and the smell of the pines, and <gasps> it's just dreamy. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. Uh, Germany. Mm -hmm. What took you to Germany? Well, I, I got a, I got a grant, uh, and I got into a program in Austria, an operatic program. Okay. And then I thought, I had one friend in Germany, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to try and stay here and audition for opera houses. Okay. I was very young. I would say too young to, to try to get into opera houses. I was, you know, 23 or something like that. Um, but I did, I just decided to stay. I, I, I made a home in Hanover and, uh, I taught English to business people. Oh, wow. So it was a great way to learn German actually, because I was constantly translating all day. And, uh, I lived there for a year. I studied with an amazing baritone, Thomas Kvastov, and did some concerts. And, and that was when I just thought I actually, I think one night I was, you know steeped in this classical world and I heard a party going on in the distance and there was like a Prince song playing and I went what what am I doing like why am I dedicating myself to this music that is written by people who are dead for hundreds of years I, I want to do something that's now that's relevant that's being written today and so that's when I decided I wanted to start focusing on music any genre okay uh, of composers that are alive today. Ah. So I, I switched gears there, and then I thought I want to live in Canada. And I, even though Canada is a younger country and classical music isn't so valued here, I can educate my audiences by doing some accessible stuff and then some more challenging stuff. And I sort of saw it as a mission. And so I came back here, and that's what I started so doing. So that was the change from classical music to... to cabaret is what I was called. I okay. made an album, okay. and, and it was picked up by a label, and then I was sort of dubbed a cabaret singer from then on. Oh. Um, and it was as good a label as any, just because it allowed me to be super eclectic in my repertoire cho choices. And so what does that mean, cabaret? Yeah, that's the question, yeah. right? So I would say it generally means 
uh, you're mixing up disciplines. So a cabaret, you would see like a spoken word artist, you'd see an acrobat, you'd see a singer. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, you'd see it in a fairly intimate space, not not bigger than a few hundred people. Okay. It would potentially be a rowdy space. Certainly there would be drinking. Um, uh, could be political, could be, you know, socially okay. or, uh, you know, any of those, you know, the cabaret sort of the idea came about in, in Germany and France at the beginning of the last century through social mm. and economic upheaval, and it was sort of a rebellious thing that they did. Yeah. So that's where the word comes from, and, and yeah. Mm, yeah. And uh, so there are certain composers that are associated with cabaret. Okay. Yeah. And you still consider yourself a... Would you consider yourself a cabaret singer? No, or not You really. do everything now. Yeah, I, I just consider myself a singer of songs. Yeah. That's, what, that's what's on my business card. <laughs> a singer? <laughs> you have a business card? I have a business <laughs> card. I'll show it. It's really pretty. It's really pretty. Um, I, I want to get to, I want to continue this because I, I, you, you've done a, a Leonard Cohen yeah, album. album. Yeah. Um, I want to get to, but I, I want to go back a bit. Um, your first, I, I, I always ask people, you know, depending on what they do, your first gig, but I... Your I think you shared a photo recently. might have been on your Instagram about your first gig in Ottawa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know where I saw that. Yeah, might have been it would have been on Instagram. Yeah, tell me about that. It was just a random gig, but I that was just, I had, um, I think I'd just been picked up by a label. I'd released okay. my first CD. Yeah. And it had, you know, distribution, EMI was on board. I got it my first agent. And so I got my first tour. And it was just a tour, I think it was only in Ontario, mm -hmm. but it was, you know, quite a few gigs, and it was all in bars. And so that was the idea. I was singing these, a lot of them were pretty pretty classical tunes, and yeah. then some more slightly sophisticated poppy tunes. Uh, and I would just do them in bars. I did them here at the Rivoli, and... Um, I don't, you know, a whole bunch of little towns. I, I don't even remember the name of the place in <laughs> Ottawa. But but obviously someone took a picture and, and yeah. gave it to me 20 years later, which was pretty funny. Oh, and so you just received that photo. Yeah, yeah. An oh audience my. member, I did a show there at the Ottawa Chamber Festival this, this past summer, and an audience member gave me an envelope with pictures in it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And that was when I was, you know, I was singing the Leonard Cohen song, I'm Your Man, and I was dressed in drag. And I was, it was sort of... You know, that was the cabaret thing that I yeah, was doing yeah, yeah. for sure more than, yeah. Um, and then I think you also shared a photo or or I read somewhere you, you did a concert at Ted's Wrecking. Oh, yeah. Wrecking. I did at least one gig at Ted's Wrecking Yard. I don't remember where. You, you must have just read that somewhere. I think I read that somewhere, yeah. Yeah. Does that place still exist? It sounded know. familiar to me. It was on College Street. Yeah, but it might have changed And I changed remember names. my brother came to the gig. And because it was a it was a loud bar, and I yeah, was yeah. doing this delicate music with just piano, and I may have had a bass player by then, but maybe not. And I, we were sound checking, or the gig was on. No, the gig was on, and y there was another venue upstairs, and it was like booming loud music. And my brother ran upstairs and like pulled the plugs out of. The <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That's I don't know an what awesome happened. Brother. It was pretty awesome, album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a band that he unplugged, was it? Or Hopefully, was it, it was just recorded <laughs> just music. Just someone playing their, <laughs> playing their radio. Um, yeah. How 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 does it? F I mean, you, you've been doing this for now almost two decades, yeah. so so I'm sure it d you could sing anywhere. But back when you were young and you're you're in these places and you go, 
this is where like rock bands come in that are you know loud rowdy music was there ever any intimidation at all in some of these places some of these venues yeah i mean in in those early years um because i was getting a lot of attention i was getting a lot of media attention i was being therefore i was getting offered all of these gigs that like were with i'd be a guest among a whole bunch of like pop singers or rock stars, like really much heavier, heavier bands. And I was like this classical singer. So I would definitely feel out of place in, in a lot of those gigs. Yeah. And, and I was quiet. And so a lot of people would just be talking in the loud bars and nobody could hear what I was doing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, yeah, it was fine. Good. When did you decide to cover Leonard Cohen how did that come really about? early I that's so when I thought about doing this idea of mixing sophisticated pop songs with high you know lighter classical music I, I the song take this waltz by Leonard Cohen I thought you know this is like it's it's from a, a Lorca poem it's about Vienna it's a waltz it's very classical in its nature I could sing this like an art song. And so I started including it. And then, and this was back in like early 90s. Mm. And I had heard Hallelujah. I heard the, um, what is it? John Cale version. There was a really early cover album that he'd, he covered. It was just him and a piano. And he has a really raspy voice. And I was like, oh my God, this song is amazing. Yeah. I don't know if I can do it because it's really a pop song, but I love it so much I feel like I can. So I started singing it with piano and I would I would program it with like a Mozart hallelujah and a Schubert song and then I would do the Leonard Cohen hallelujah. And at that time, nobody knew the song, right? It wasn't popular. Sure, yeah, yeah. This was well before Katie Lang or any of the other covers. And they'd be like, wow, that song, that's amazing. And, <laughs> and so those were the first two Cohen songs that I started performing and then people just started demanding them and so then I added more and then uh, I was coming to the end of my label deal with my my record label and they just I kept offering them suggestions and they were like no we don't want that no we don't want that and I'm like what album should I do that you want yeah. they're like how about an all Cohen and I'm like of course I'll do that <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so I did, and it's been, yeah, I've been touring that show now for years. Oh, wow. It's very popular. Nice. And again, I, we approach it more like, almost like art songs, and I have an Egyptian singer with me, um, and she plays um, on her Egyptian instruments, which gives it a really neat feel and sound, mm. and just, you know, very different. It's just great music, and it's great poetry. It so is. I add some some Spanish folk songs in there. She adds some Sufi uh, devotional songs. So we we kind of really mix it up, and it's a neat show. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to I want to uh, go in a direction here. Um, you, you know, you talked about working with your record label the the first time, and you got a deal, and uh, they put you on tour, and then it was coming to an end, and they said, "This is what we want you to do now." Music has changed a lot, and I, and I don't mean, you know, what we listen to. That Sure, that's changed, but that always changes. The consumption of it. Yeah, but yeah. How, how we listen to it, where we listen to it, uh, and, and on the flip side of that, the people who make the music and how they earn. So like yourself, um, it's, you know, selling out, you know, there's a record store day only because, you know, yeah. we, we need to uh, encourage people to go 
physically go somewhere totally uh, and take a trip and go visit a record store yeah um i want to ask you two sides of this question um what do you tell me about the excitement that you have about music today in uh, from your from your perspective in terms of why are things better today than they ever were i want to ask you that question first that's that's a hard question because in a lot of ways they're really not better than they are mm. they were um uh, but you'll ask me that question later, I'll I ask assume. you another question, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, at this, you know, because of all of the ways, all of the ways we now have access to making music ourselves, our yeah. laptops are, we can make a studio almost anywhere and make pretty amazing music. Uh, and then we can also get it out on something like YouTube, potentially, to people who will just listen to it, whereas that just didn't happen before. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. That's great because people can be heard. Yeah. People who just made something in their basement can be heard, and a lot of people can hear it and love it. But then they'll probably get a record deal, and then you know they'll get on that train. Sure. Um, yeah, so that that's definitely one way that it's better, I would say. So let me ask you the other question then. Um, <laughs> What's wrong with it? What's wrong with the industry today? Yeah, there are a few yeah. things that are wrong with it. Yeah. One way I would say is that, um, you know, there there was a lot wrong with record labels. I mean, still is, I suppose, but there's a lot good about it too in that labels, back in the day, they would nurture an artist. They wouldn't force them out there to be an overnight sensation. They would invest years and years in them. Bob Dylan, Gordon Lightfoot, it, you know, a lot, a lot of people, they just, you would never, ever have their music today mm. if, if the label didn't say, can't make another album, make, we, we, you know, we're, we're in for 10 albums, do what you want to do and we'll support you, we'll guide you, but we'll support you in your vision. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how you get good. So that's another good thing about the industry in Canada, actually, is okay. because we have, we have some CanCon rules. You, you know, you have to have a certain amount of Canadian content on radios, for example. Yeah. Otherwise, you just never hear it. And so then we can be supported within our country before going out into the, the rest of the world or at least into the U.S. market, which is so, so, so much bigger and and has so much more competition and has more money. And, you know, we y there are a lot of Canadian bands that wouldn't exist that are now hugely famous yeah. because of Canadian contact, because we were supporting our own and, and nurturing them. So that's kind of gone by the wayside. That nurturing thing doesn't exist, and mm -hmm. you need that as a young artist. You're not perfect. You don't sure. come out of the womb being a perfect artist. Yeah. You have to write bad things before you can write good <laughs> things. It's, you know, you can't be afraid to write a bad song, yeah. or you'll never write a good one. So, and then other, you know, the, the whole streaming thing is a bit of an issue because people haven't figured out how to pay the artists for the streaming. So you can listen to somebody's, you can listen to somebody's song 1,500 times and that artist will get 0.37 cents, right? Like, Jeez. yeah, so it, they just, that's, it's not regulated yet. It, it, we, we haven't figured out how to pay the artist for their, for their art that they, have invested a lot of time and money in yeah. <laughs> and that people love. And, you know, the thing about art is that it, you can't put a value, you can't put a money, you can't go, it's worth this much. It's not like that. It's not like accounting. Mm -hmm. 
it's invaluable in a lot of ways. It can change your life. Yeah. It's intangible and you you know, so therefore it often gets no value at all, unfortunately. Yeah. So how does one today um make a living? Because you don't want to go back to waiting tables like you did when you I'd got started, I'd rather right? not. Yeah. I'd rather not. Sure. Um, no, you, you, I personally, because you know, my career is a little bit unusual because it's such a niche, I have found a way. I'm not quite part of the classical world, not quite part of the pop world, but I can live in both of those worlds. So I can do a tour of soft seat theaters and attract a large enough audience or I can potentially be in um, a classical production of something. So I earn almost all of my living through live performance, mm. truly. Just yeah. But I still have to make recordings to be a relevant okay. artist. Um, I, of course, I do, you know, I, I sell CDs at live shows and yeah. I, I sell some on iTunes, of course. Um, but the royalties that I make. And the money I make back from CDs is pretty negligible. Mm -hmm. It's a small amount. Personally, I also conduct a choir. Um, I, I don't teach that much, but I do teach and I do master classes in universities. Um, and, and for every other person, depending on their, you know, some people would have their, they would do film score work. Okay. Um, they would have, they would really work hard to get their songs placed in, TV shows or, you know, things like that, or they would do jingles on the side. You know, th there are other ways that you can make a living yeah. um, depending on... But it's not sort of like a make record, sell record, go on tour, and continue to um, to live off of the royalties. Absolutely yeah. not. I think I read somewhere, I don't know if was Rolling Stone or if I heard of Rolling Stone interview or if it was on the alan cross show where he talked about back in the day you would get lots of money from royalties because people continue to buy oh, your physical albums uh -huh. yeah, no. but today there is none of that and so that's why you've got elton john doing a three-year exactly goodbye tour yeah totally you, you know? see all of these comeback things that's yeah. like they gotta earn their living it's the only way and the who playing Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Things have changed. And of course, if you write, if you write music, if you write songs, you can make royalties from that. If sure. Yeah. 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 But th you know, that's not as hugely, that's be it. It's pretty small. Part it has of changed it. a lot, hasn't it? Yeah. 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 Really You've nice. done now, you, you mentioned TV. You've done some TV work. Tell yeah. me about that. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's, what can I say? I mean, I, I haven't done much. I've, I've done, I've certainly done music videos and I've had a couple of roles on television shows in one movie. And uh, yeah, I, I loved it. It's, it's fun and it pays really well. I now don't know what else to say. You won an award. <laughs> a Golden Chief Award. Yes. So what, what, what was it? Was it for a movie It was you for did? a movie called... Tell me about that movie. It was called Yokali Hotel. Okay. And it was made in S Moose, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Okay. And the Golden Sheaf Award, that's that's like all the West Coast. It was also nominated for three Geminis, though, and it won one. Look at that. Great. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was basically a music movie. It was okay. about this singer who was also a waitress named Trish. Hoxley Workin Workman was in it. Um, Were you Trish? I was Trish. Oh. Uh, Mary Margaret O'Hara was in it. Yeah, it, yeah. It was... 
and it was a, just a bunch of songs, but it, it wove its way through this hotel and all the things that had happened in this hotel. Okay. And it was mysterious and really beautiful. Really beautiful movie, yeah. And you won an award for this? Yeah. Yeah, nice. it was like best female performance or something like that. <laughs> it was super fun. Yeah. Have you ever thought of like doing that I, full time? A or? little bit. I thought about it a little bit, and yeah. I was actually approached by like an, an agent, and so I, I went to him, and honestly... I have gaps in my teeth. That's just not acceptable on TV. So that's one thing. <laughs> well, they can digitally remove those or I add those. They could. They can add teeth. Um, and I just don't think I could hack the the auditions. Like you got to be auditioning all the time for stuff, mm. and like you get turned down because you're an inch too short, or you don't know your eyes are the wrong color, and plus. Acting's really hard for me. Singing okay. is way easier than yeah. acting. Yeah, it, I'm much more <laughs> natural. I do love it and I enjoy it, but I yeah, I didn't want to dedicate my life to it. Uh, I read somewhere that you just finished um, a residency at Soul Pepper Theater. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And I, what were you? D- you were there for a while now. Six, six years. Six years. Yeah, there were twelve of us. Okay. Residents, artists, we were called, and it was basically. Um, you know, it's known as a theater company, so they wanted to expand the breadth of it, so they brought in 12 artists that were not actors. So okay. six of us were musicians, there were two choreographers, there were some writers, um, and we basically animated the space around their theater season. With We had a, a, a cabaret festival for seven years. Um, we had a different different festivals throughout the year we had cabaret shows in the spaces weekly and so we would program these things and they it it was fantastic it was a great experience for me because they would give me a a budget they'd say um do a gordon lightfoot songbook and i'd like i've never i don't know any gordon lightfoot songs i'm gonna do this and it's gonna and (laughs) so it was really great for me for stretching you know they give me a big budget to work with and trust me and it was really, really great that way. And we I invented a whole bunch of new shows there. I mentored young artists. I started a choir. Um, taught I taught uh, you know, the young academy. It was it was great to stretch all of my skills and to just give me a whole bunch of new skills, basically. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, it was good. You mentioned before that you you conduct a choir? Yeah. You still do? Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, we started it at Soul Pepper. Okay. And then they didn't want a community choir anymore. So we were going to assume that we were going to disband it. It's it's me and four other people. Okay. And oh, so it's a small group. Uh, no, no. Oh, the choir is big. There ah. are five of us who conduct it. Okay. We were five resident artists. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. And um, so we're like, okay, no more choir. And then the choir just loved it so much. They got together. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to keep going. And they made a committee committee, and they found a venue. It's in the East End. It's in a church at Dixon Hall at Parliament and Carlton. Okay. And they're like, we'll, we'll pay you the same as they did. And will you keep conducting our choir? So now it's in its 10th year. Oh, my goodness. I know. And we do at least four shows a year, usually more. We're going to do stuff in Luminato this year. And oh, wow. It's a community choir, non-audition. So, like, no auditions. Anyone is welcome. And it's a kind of a free for all. It's it's super fun, and 
I've really, really grown to love those guys. Yeah. I should I should invite you out to our choir. I do oh, I do not yes. sing. Yes. I do, I must say that I do not sing. But you are in a choir. I'm on a board. Oh. So it's a it's a community choir. It's a nonprofit, uh, Bach Children's Chorus. Sure, yeah. Um they're out in uh, they're on the east east end in Scarborough. Yeah, okay. And uh yeah, my son is finishing his fifth year. Fantastic. With them. That's so that early choral training it's yeah. so important it gives you this exposure to this wonderful music and this great skills that you'll have for the rest of your life it's i'll uh, I'll, I'll shoot you a note to tell you what we're playing at yeah do. they i should i say we they're playing at the toronto arts center it used to be called the ford center for the performing arts up, up on young up and north young and shepherd yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that's a great venue yeah yeah great i'll shoot you a note okay do. on that you should you should uh do come and check these yeah, little kids yeah. out yeah i bet i yeah. bet they're great they are well what it was interesting i saw again I've, I've been checking out your instagram to learn more about you but you were with a friend of yours and you were doing some singing and some some music oh, yeah, on yeah, yeah yeah and so there's this group what is that called by the way what body percussion body percussion okay that stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a there's a group in this chorus called Octava. There's like there's eight of them. Yeah. Um, and they do some of that stuff as well. That's and great. They sing, and they're the older kids. They're like university they're more skilled. Aged. Yeah, yeah. V- amazing. Just really, really good. So that reminds me. Oh my fun. goodness. Yeah. That stuff is fun. It is. It is. Um, tell me about the coolest place you've performed at. Oh. Okay. Uh, or the most interesting place? There have been a few. Yeah. I mean, in Toronto, my favorite venue, I would have to say, is Kerner Hall. It's sure. It's so beautiful. And I was, you know, it's 1,100 seats, so I was a little scared because most of my shows are, you know, between two and four or 500 people. And I thought, I'm going to have to change the way I work, you know, talk to the audience it's going to be different I, and not at all. It's such a magically intimate space that you are, are exactly the same. The acoustic is exquisite. You just get way more feedback back when you know when okay. you tell a joke or whatever. It, yeah, that's an amazing venue. Um, I do this festival in Mexico from time to time, mm. and we do we do like salons in the afternoon in people's villas. Sure. And so I just did one in back in February in this really, really magical courtyard, uh, just, you know, in the middle of Mexico, which was wonderful. Um, and often private gigs are like that, where you just are in these magical private spaces. Uh, I performed at Royal Opera House in, in London. Wow. And that was a thrill. But, you know, I, like I love Joe's Pub in New York or, <laughs> you know, Poisson Rouge. Yeah, so I, as long as as long as the acoustics are good, yeah. the audience is good, it's going to be great. Has there ever been a show or a place where you're you're in there and maybe you realize it right away, or as you're performing, they go, "I really need to finish this quick. Oh, I need to get <laughs> out of here." <laughs> no, but there have been more <laughs> painful experiences. Like, oh, uh, I mean, I I was touring. We were touring in the East Coast a couple years ago, and it was February to be fair, but the theaters. One in particular, I don't remember the small town, but the theater was so cold. It it was it was like fifty below inside. Wow. It was and and so you're on stage and I've got, you know, gowns and sleeveless things and and it's ridiculously cold. And I have more than once 
brought my coat on stage and performed because it's re- like you shouldn't come on it's too cold <laughs> it's too cold i'm see. freezing up here <laughs> yeah so those are the only times really yeah what's what's up and coming for you what's what's next on the horizon well, so the the little video you saw on my Instagram of my friend and I yeah. doing body percussion, yeah. we are doing uh, a retreat okay. together in Ju- June 21, 22, 23, just a couple hours north of Toronto. Um, and so she's a choreographer dancer. I'm a singer. So it's basically a movement and singing retreat where we'll do a whole bunch of games, improvs, and we'll learn songs we'll, and we'll learn dances and we'll perform them at the end of the weekend. We'll hang out in nature. That's coming up. So that's called the Singing Body Retreat um, at Sugar Ridge Retreat Center. You can find it on my website and just email me about it. Uh, I am doing, uh, I just got a grant to write a song cycle with a really great composer, David Braid, who was the composer of the album that won the nominated, Juno nominated CD. So we're going to write some songs together, which I'm super excited about. And then gig-wise, I've I've just got... um, gigs at festivals throughout the summer and uh, here in town a little bit. Um, and you can always, I send out a newsletter, you know, a few times a year. You can always check out my website for my most recent dates. They're What's your there. website URL? It's uh, patricia-ocallahan.com. No apostrophe between the O and the C of O'Callaghan. So www.patricia-ocallahan.com. Thanks so much for coming in. My pleasure. 